Will you be the one to witness the birth of the incredible Nintendo Entertainment System? The one to play with Rob, the extraordinary video robot, batteries not included. He helps you tackle even the toughest challenge. Will you be the first to raise the incredibly accurate Zapper and play games like Duck Hunt or action-packed Hogan's Alley and high-flying Kung Fu, each sold separately? Will you be the one to experience the Nintendo Entertainment System? Comes with Rob, Zapper, Control Deck, two controllers, Gyromite, and Duck Hunt. There came a time in the 90s where a war was waged. A war for the ages. A brutal, ceaseless war. Boys became men. Families were torn apart. Brother against brother. And this was no mere war. Oh no. This was a console war. The console war. And there would be no war without Nintendo. But Nintendo is a company that has a history that may surprise you. It's true. This is the story of Nintendo. This is Toys R Us. Hello. Hi. And welcome back to the Toys R Us podcast. Your weekly history lesson on a bit of your childhood that made your childhood memorable. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me as always is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Hey everybody. Brian. Yes sir. Today we are kicking it way, way, way back. Way back. To discover the wild-ass history of Nintendo. One of my favorite companies. That being said, are you ready to dive in? Press start. Oh. Let's go. We start our story in Asia. In of course. 1633. That's a long time ago. A real long time ago. When Japan cut off its relations with the Western world in 1633, there was a ban put on all foreign playing cards as they encouraged illegal gambling. That's true. Because, you know. I mean, all, gambling's awesome. All history yeah, is is booze and gambling. It's true. It, it can really all be distilled to that. Right? Yeah. Playing cards were extremely popular at the time. Mainly because of gambling. Right. So it wasn't long before the Japanese started creating their own homegrown uh, card games. They're like, hey, how can we do this? It's kind of like how Uno was brought about. They're like, you know what? I can fucking do that. Yeah. The first of these were designed for a game called Unsum Kataru. But eventually, the game started also being used for a form of gambling. (laughs) So the government put a ban on them as well. Fuckers. Government's always like... No, he's trying to keep the man down. Trying to stifle the fun. But bathtub alcohol. They just (laughs) somehow didn't see that one. Making people blind and shit. They're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Excuse me, sir, what are you doing with that bath? That doesn't look like water. He's like, really? Let me get in it then. (laughs) Just burns his fucking body. (laughs) like, why does this fucking bathtub alcohol taste like balls? (laughs) It tastes like balls. (laughs) And that's how balls was made. The alcoholic beverage Get these balls. Get these bulls. Get these bulls. Um, a volley of new card games, followed by a subsequent government ban, went back and forth over the next century. But finally, in the 19th century, a new card game, Hanafuda, was invented, which used images instead of numbers, making it difficult for gambling. Yeah. The government relaxed its laws on playing cards, allowing the Hanafuda cards to be sold. Unfortunately, the constant banning of card games and the lack of use of 
for gambling took its toll, and the new card game received a lackluster response. Uh, until a young entrepreneur, Fusajiro Yamuchi, came on the scene. Mm. On September 23rd, 1889, a 29-year-old Fusajiro Yamuchi opened the doors to his company, Nintendo Kopai, which manufactured Hanafuda cards made up of paintings on cards from the bark of a mulberry tree. Dude, that's baller. (laughs) Hell yeah. Which, that's the one thing, too, is like, booze, gambling, and art. Yeah. It's pretty much... Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. Boil it down. That's fucking it. Seriously, I mean, that was like the entirety of the Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Led to some shit. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll paint the top of their ceiling, but, but I'm going to draw them with their dicks out. Yep. <laughs> like, does that baby have a fucking big old dick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. Starting them early. Um, if you're wondering about the name Nintendo. It's generally thought that it comes from the Japanese name Nintendo. Roughly translated, Nin means entrusted, and Tendu means heaven. So basically, leave luck to heaven. Though it is also said to mean, heaven blesses hard work, in heaven's hands. Work hard, but in the end it's in heaven's hands. Deep in the mind, we have to do whatever we have to do. Or even the hall of entrusting heaven. Dude, all of those are fucking baller. (laughs) Yeah. But according to the Touch Generation website, the first one, which is Leave Luck to Heaven, is what it officially means. Okay. I'll take it. It sounds like that sounds like a diehard film title. Diehard seven. Leave Luck to Heaven, (laughs) right? Yeah. Okay. Well it seems like I've noticed that there's a a recurring theme of that Mm -hmm. in like uh like Japanese art and things like that. Yeah. Like for instance uh, going to an, a video game reference, uh, the back of Claire Redfield's jacket mm-hmm. in Resident Evil 2 says Made yeah. in Heaven. Yeah. Which is also a reference to a Queen song, but yes. that's neither here nor there. Yeah. You know, solid references, though. Yeah, totally. Um, Fusajiro sold the cards at two Nintendo Kopai stores. The quality of the art and design brought uh, Hanafuda enormous popularity and established Nintendo as the top game company in Japan. Boom. The same year Fusajiro started Nintendo, the Japanese government put into effect the first general election for the House of Representatives of Japan and instituted the Constitution of the Empire of Japan called the Meiji Constitution. (laughs) These government changes led to the revision of numerous laws which included relaxing the ban on countless types of playing cards. And as Nintendo was the most popular card company, they were able to expand faster than any of the competition. Nintendo's Hanafuda cards began to increase in popularity, eventually even being used for gambling again. <laughs> Got him! An act the government had opposed. The Yakuza even began to use Nintendo's uh, Hanafuda cards. Of course. It's the Yakuza. You know, <laughs> they do whatever the fuck they want. That's what you get for fucking with the Yakuza! Mm-hmm. Crazy 88's just playing Crazy 8's. That's right. You know? Yeah. Fusajiro had no choice but to hire more employees so that they can keep up with the demand for the cards. Over the years, Nintendo started to manufacture more and more styles of cards. The most popular of which was the the Toriyu or Napoleon deck. The Miyako no Hana Hanafuda deck, which was more traditional in style, was also very popular. 
1907, Nintendo partnered with the Japanese company Japan, Ta- Japan Tobacco and Salt Corporation, which is now just Japan Tobacco, which allowed Nintendo to sell their cards in cigarette shops all over Japan, which is fucking smart. That is smart. Fuck, I miss smoking sometimes. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I'll bash you on the fucking head, I swear on me mom. I swear on me mom. Over the next 40 years, under Fusajiro's tutelage, Nintendo remained the top card company in Japan, as they continued adding the most popular games as well as inventing several of their own. At the age of 70, he retired, and his adopted son-in-law, Sekiro Kanada, who changed his name to Sekiro Yamuchi, (laughs) took over the business in 1929. After continuing to run the company as the largest Japanese card manufacturer, Sekiro sought to expand the company and established a joint venture which renamed the company Yamuchi Nintendo & Company in 1933 and formed a card game distributor called Marufuku Company Limited. These two companies continued to grow the business into a corporate giant. After running the company for 20 years, Sekiro suffered a stroke in 1949, forcing him to retire. So he called for his grandson, Hiroshi Yamuchi, who was in law school at the time, and asked him to take over the family business. He's like, forget that law stuff, dude. He's like, fuck We, we got business. Come on. Nintendo. It's fucking Nintendo, bro. It's Nintendo. Do it. Come on. Do it. He's like, what the fuck? Do it. But I want to keep do it. studying law at Sega. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> law school? We, we, Sega law school? We, we do what Nintendo don't. <laughs> Just fucking bends him over and spanks him. (laughs) No, daddy, no! (laughs) Um, Becoming the new president of Yamuchi Nintendo and Company was a tumultuous time for Hiroshi, who had to drop out of school at the age of 21 to take over the family business. His lack of experience caused resentment among the Nintendo employees, followed by a factory strike. Jeez. This is like, that's not his fucking fault, yeah, bro. Right? He was fucking I mean, a lawyer. You're about to be a lawyer, and now he's like, what the fuck is this? He's like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> Basically. Oh, man. Um, but he shocked everybody by firing all of the employees who crossed him. Boom! <laughs> and established new policies that required all potential products and ventures to be first cleared by him alone. He changed the name of the company to Nintendo Karuda and then just Nintendo Company Limited. When Hiroshi took control of the company, he, re- he renamed it Nintendo Playing Card Company and then moved his business to a new location in 1952. Not long after that, he met with Walt Disney Productions in 1959 to strike a deal that allowed Nintendo to place Disney's properties on their cards. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's fucking clever. This resulted in cards that sported recognizable characters such as Mickey Mouse. Nintendo Nintendo chose to partner with Disney in order to gain appeal with Japanese families. Good call. Which is weird that now it's like Universal is getting the Nintendo Park. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, how things H- How times have changed. Um, during this time, he also released books that would explain in great detail how to play the various Hanafuda games. The adventure became the, uh, a great success, as Nintendo sold an estimated 600,000 decks in one year. Holy shit! Yeah. Which prompted Hiroshi to take Nintendo public and introduce it to the Osaka Stock Exchange in 1962. Hell yeah. Based on his newfound success, 
Hiroshi would plan to expand Nintendo into areas outside of playing cards. Due to a visit to the U.S. years prior, he had found the limitations the card business had offered, and thus chose to look elsewhere for success while remaining persistent in the card business. See, now that's good. Keep keep your one thing going yeah. while you're searching out new avenues. Yeah. That, that's smart. A lot of companies just kind of like bet the farm on yeah, one, they're one like, big venture. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like raccoons. They're like, ooh, shiny. Like fucking Blockbuster is like, you know what? We need to do uh, what Redbox is doing, but in Blockbuster form, and it just tanked. Yeah. It's like, oh, Netflix? You want to... We want to buy no, 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 no. We're not. We're not gonna. Sorry, well, I don't know what a, a Netflix. I don't know what a Netflix is. is. Blockbuster, yeah. son. Okay, we're you laughing know? you out of the office now. Get out of here. <laughs> Mail DVDs. Okay. Come on, kid. Get out of here. You're mother. <laughs> God. The first order of business was to change the name from Nintendo Playing Card Company to just Nintendo. In 1963. Short and sweet. In order to not be affiliated exclusively with cards. Smart. Yeah. Hiroshi's first er, first venture outside of cards was to manufacture individualized instant rice. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. That was just very surprising. Yes. Uh, Attempting to capitalize on the success of instant noodles. I mean, I get it. Which proved to be a a catastrophe for Nintendo. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Immediately afterwards, he opened up a chain of hotels. Love hotels. Which, like the instant rice before, uh, did not become a lucrative uh, business choice. (laughs) Uh, The Daya taxi service, primarily operated by Nintendo, was successful for a short while until unions rocketed the salaries upwards, forcing the company to be shut down. You know, I can't say anything. I'm a pro-union guy. Yeah. Nintendo would later distribute a vacuum cleaner called the Chiratori, which would cruise control around the floor, sucking up objects via remote control. Dude, do you know how funny it would be if it was named Kirby? Oh my god. That would be <laughs> fucking hilarious. I mean, I mean, you know, we already got Kirby vacuums here in, uh-huh. in the States, but uh-huh. I mean, god damn, that would have been so perfect. That really fucking would have been. Yeah. Uh, the Chiratori, like everything else, was not successful. Nintendo had, however, found a favorable outcome with toys. If Nintendo was going to stay alive, they would have to change their business perspective from cards to toys, as the card business had an unexpected turn for the worse after the Tokyo Olympics in 1964. Ooh. Nintendo's stocks dropped from 900 yen to an unfortunate 60 yen. Holy shit. Yeah. That's like what? Like 50 cents American? Basically. Oh. Yikes. Brutal. Big yikes. It was time to look towards the more advantageous toy market, and thus in 1964, Nintendo opened up their first research and development branch, which they simply named Games. (laughs) Their first toy they released in Japan was called the Rabbit Coaster. In 1969, Nintendo opened up a new manufacturing production in Uji City in Kyoto, which would be a primary location where Nintendo could develop its toys. Four years prior, in 1965... Kanpai Yokoi was hired as an assembly line maintenance engineer. He had just graduated from Doshisha University and was sent to Nintendo to work on the assembly line that manufactured Nintendo's Hanafuda cards, which by now had become less successful than they were years prior. He worked there for several years before Hiroshi visited the plant and took notice of an invention that he had created for his own personal enjoyment. Yamuchi loved the invention so much that he ordered Yokoi to enhance it and manufacture it before Christmas. 
Yamuchi, whose company was still deep in debt, had found the invention he was looking for, called the Ultra Hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was an extending arm that could grasp onto things far away. So basically, all those fucking, like, grabby arms you see in infomercials, yeah. he saw that and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna make this a toy. That's a fucking toy. See, now, I gotta say, I, I got a lot of love and respect for Gunpei Yokoi. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy is... He was a visionary. Oh, yeah. To say the least. Oh, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have Game Boys without that guy. No. Or the D-pad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the Mr. Game & Watch, but I'm sure we're going to get to that. Oh, we will. Yeah. We will. Uh, let's see. Yes, Ultra Hand. After everything was after everything was said and done, the Ultra Hand managed to sell 1.2 million copies across Japan, a phenomenal success for a company who couldn't seem to find a popular tour for kids. And the Ultra Hand put Nintendo on the map and proved that they can endure in a market dominated by Bandai and Tomy. Fuck yeah! Gunpei's first foray into the toy business would certainly not be his last, and the Ultra Hand could hardly be considered his most impressive in- invention. In fact, he would soon become one of the most legendary employees in Nintendo's history. Fucking A. Second only to Shigeru Miyamoto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would continue his Ultra series with the release of a machine that could throw baseballs called the Ultra Machine, and a periscope known as the Ultrascope. That's baller. He also invented Nintendo's successful Love Tester, which was intended to test a boy and girl's romantic feelings towards each other when they inserted their hands in the machines. Of course, the readings weren't accurate, but it was sure. fun... Uh, and it proved to be very popular. Thanks solely to his inventions, Nintendo was launched to the top of the industry, and things would only progress when he was sent to a position where he could hire employees. And they're like, okay, motherfucker. And this guy knows what's up. You turn, you turn this fucking company around. Let's, let's, let's turn him loose. Let's see what he's got. Go fucking, you, you can do it, buddy. With his newfound power, he chose to hire Masuki Uemura who had previously worked at the company Sharp in Japan. Together, they would develop the Nintendo Beam Gun games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It can be said that this was Nintendo's first quest into the video game market. Today, the Beam Gun beam gun games... That's fucking hard to say. It is. Beam Gun games are best known as the predecessor to the uh, NES Zapper. Yep. In 1973, he would create the Laser Clay Shooting Game, which would replace various bowling alleys in Japan. In the country, there was a short spur where bowling became an inexpensive pastime, though it shortly ended. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nintendo bought a multitude of these alleys and put laser clay shooting equipment in the bowling alley's place. A year later, in 1974, Nintendo would pursue the rights to market the Magnavox Odyssey in Japan. Oh. And did so with great success. Fucking A. This year, they also implemented the beam gun technology with the game Wild Gunman in arcades. (laughs) I remember that game. It's like a baby's toy. (laughs) (laughs) Little Elijah Wood. Oh, man. Right before before he met little Macaulay Culkin and had his life ruined. (laughs) Little Macaulay Culkin is like, hey, don't fuck with me. <laughs> I'll throw Which, you out of you've my not, fucking tree If you've not seen The Good Son. It's a classic. It's underrated. A, a classic. It really is. It also feels like where the chick got the inspiration from in the movie The Orphan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she watched yeah. The Good Son heavily and she's like, okay, hmm. I got this. I got this. Doable. Like, I think that 
I wasn't really allowed to watch like rated R movies or anything when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So like The Good Son and like RoboCop, those are like the two or- the, the two movies I first heard the word fucking. Yeah. I mean, other than out of my dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Come on. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Son of a trucker, man. <laughs> Only one who could ever curse me is the son of a trucker, man. Oh, man. Other light gun games released around this time included Shooting Trainer, 1975. Nice. Skyhawk, 1976. And Battle Shark, 1977. Battle Shark! 1975 would be the year Nintendo would introduce the game that they generally accept to be their first video game, EVR Race. Mmm. A large arcade title that supported up to six players. People would be required to guess which horse would win a race. So they were like, you know what? Government banned us from gambling with cards, but let's make horse gambling <laughs> let's for make kids. virtual horses. Yeah. The results were random. Uh, what is it? Oh, so like a, a, a true game of chance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you think yeah. they're like, oh, huh. Uh, Goompai certainly made a mark on Nintendo's history, and he would continue to work with Nintendo for years, and it w- would develop a hefty amount of endearing franchises, including the Game & Watch. But there was another piece to the puzzle who would come to who would come in the form of Shigeru Miyamoto, the man himself. Miyamoto would be mentored would be mentored by Goompai, and eventually become one of the most important players in the video game biz creating Nintendo's most popular properties and being coveted as the father of modern video games. Agreed. Yeah. But that's another story. Yep. For another time. You know who is the father of random facts? Ooh! Tell me. Oh, it's facty. Yeah, it is. And Nintendo... Yeah. ...is as old as the Eiffel Tower... <laughs> that is wild. Right? Yeah. Because the Eiffel Tower was finished the same year Nintendo was formed. That is fucking wild. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I think you just kind of blew my mind there a little That's bit. just one of those things that you're like... It's like, holy shit, because it's like, the Eiffel Tower's been around for fucking ever. Yeah. yeah. Apparently so is Nintendo. <laughs> uh... Hiroshi Amuchi ended up serving the longest time of president of Nintendo, fifty three years. That's a that's a pretty good tenure. Um, and he passed away in two thousand thirteen at the age of eighty five. It's true. He was so super he, old, so he got to see he he got to see like pretty much like the huge, the breadth of Nintendo. Yeah. To bet his last console was the Wii U. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and, and huh? I I'm, if. Now, I could be wrong on this. Mm-hmm. I think he was responsible for Nintendo buying the Seattle Mariners as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, those hotels that Nintendo dabbled in were love hotels. Yes, they were. <laughs> which were uh, hotel rooms that horny couples and adulterers could rent rooms by the hour. Boom. <laughs> Just like. There's somebody out there, there's a couple out there that has the distinction of being able to say, yeah, we fucked in a Nintendo hotel. <laughs> yeah, a Nintendo-branded hotel. Somebody was probably conceived in a Nintendo hotel. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, somebody probably. that grows up, hits seven or eight, and is like, I really want a Game Boy. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, then, that, that logo. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Uh, honey, uh, you play right there. We have to go to the bedroom. <laughs> 
just get turned on every here every time you hear the ding ding. <laughs> oh god. This is like Pavlov's dog. Yeah. Basically Pavlov's dog. Pavlov's dog. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh Nintendo's most popular card deck, the Napoleon deck, is still it's most popular in Japan today. That's awesome. That's staying power. That is. Now you're staying with power. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Nintendo's vacuum, Chiritori, later appeared in a two-player minigame mini in WarioWare Incorporated Mega Microgames in 2003. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Holy uh, shit. Mm-hmm. Man, those WarioWare games are Dude, baller, man. Man, love it. So good. And with that, we come to the end of the first part of our journey into the history of Nintendo. Which is just... There's a lot of ground to cover we've, here. We've barely scratched the fucking surface here. It's true. If you like what you heard and you like what you learned, consider doing the following. You can follow us on all social media platforms. We are at Toys R Us Podcast across the board. You can leave us a five-star rating and review on any podcast app that allows it. Or you can become a patron by heading on over to patreon.com slash Toys R Us Podcast. Until next time. Remember that sometimes starting a car company to help the Yakuza gamble <laughs> pays off big time. Big time. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid. I'd like to take the time out to thank our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. So, thank you to Jeremy, Jessica, Nicole, Amy, Nicole, Nicole, Juanita, Sabrina, Shannon, and Steven. Thanks a bunch, guys. Oh, yeah! Power it up! Watch out!
Oh, yeah. 